Father, I want to thank you for every brilliant people, person in this building, Lord God. Unique, gifted, just amazing, amazing people. And it's my honour and privilege to speak with them. Lord God, I pray you'd use me right now to stir up the goodness in every person here. To help us all to aim higher, to, to live harder, to enjoy better, to celebrate the life you've given us, Father. Lord, I pray as a church family we could stand together better, cheer each other on better, love each other better. But this Christmas time will be special in so many ways for all the different people here, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn to three people and say, it's going to be good. If you're into titles, I don't know if you are, some of you will be, but my title today is Out of the Dark, Out of the Dark. And uh, we want to be people who clearly get out of the dark. Do you see what I've done right there? (laughs) Yes, Sarah bought that. It's Christmas, and uh, can I be the first to say Happy Christmas? And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it's that funny time of year, and I love the way calendar works, that we get points in our year. You have a birthday, and at birthdays, you probably have a way you think about your life. It might be that I can't wait till I'm another year older so I can drive a car. It might be that I wish I was younger and I'm feeling old, but there's something going on at your birthday. There's holiday season where you just can't wait to rest. And who knows, the two weeks before you go on holiday are the hardest two weeks of your life. Because it's like, you, you wish you were there and you're not quite there. And these two weeks take like six months to go past, you know. But then you get on holiday and those two weeks take five minutes to go past, you know. This weird calendar we have, like time just shifts. But at Christmas is a unique time of year because nearly everyone gets a holiday. Nearly everyone gets a gift. Nearly everyone gets this moment to stop and pause and reflect, and it often does get emotional. It's just approaching the end of the year, and quite often we'll reflect on the year we've had, we'll plan ahead for the year we're going to have, and all kinds of thoughts, feelings, and emotions go on. We celebrate and we laugh, but often we might mourn and cry, but all kinds of things go on at Christmas. Are you hearing me? It's a unique time of year, but isn't that amazing that that's when we actually celebrate Jesus coming? It's no wonder it's emotional. Because the God of heaven who put emotion in you is stirring it all up. And I believe it's a good thing. I want you to be people that choose life. That as you consider the year you've just had and the year you're going into, because of Jesus coming, you feel empowered to have your best year yet. And it won't just happen. You need to agree with heaven. You need to pursue some stuff. You need to think a different way, speak a different way, act a different way to have a different result. But together we can stir that up in each other, can't we? How about turn to someone next and say it's going to be your best year yet? Now, rather randomly, as a Christmas message, and this is, I think, must be my 12th uh, Christmas of giving messages, and we do three in church, so I've given maybe 30 Christmas messages, and you've got one story to go with. You know what I mean? And uh, so I've randomly chosen to talk about the poinsettia. I haven't got a clue about flowers, plants, or gardening. But here it is, and it just, got, it just caught my attention a couple of weeks ago as I was considering our Christmas service, and uh, it's a Christmas plant. We all know that is associated with Christmas. Yeah, everyone gets that, surely. You see them, they appear in, the, in all the, the gardening shops and home base and places like that. Bit of advertising there, I might get some money. And, um, and I started to think, why? Why on earth is that associated with Christmas? So I did some Googling. Good bit of Googling. Who knows? You can pretty much find anything in the whole world on Google. I want to know who put it there. But someone did. 
And um, this is the story behind why it's to do with Christmas. They were celebrating in Mexico uh, the Christmas period, and they were all taking gifts and laying them at the altar to celebrate Jesus. And there was a poor girl there who had nothing to bring but wanted to bring something. And outside the church were some old weeds, and she picked up the weeds and took them into the altar and put them there. And, and the next day they turned up, and they turned into this. It blossomed overnight into this red thing. And so it is now called, and here we go, all you Mexicans out there. It is now called the Flor de Noche Buena. They say that English people can't speak two languages, but I've nailed it. Turn to the person next year. Turn to the person next year and say, Flor de Noche Buena. And all you linguists out there, don't come to me afterwards and say, you didn't get that right, did you? I've done my best. This is what Flor de Noche Buena means. It means flower of the holy night. Because overnight, what looked like weeds and and nothing special turned into this, and it was amazing. And if you look at the the flower, obviously it's bright red. Now, Jesus' purpose was he came to die and shed his blood for you, so there's a right link there. But also, he looked like a star. When you look at the the flower, it looks like a star. And so there's this link between the holy star, the blood of Jesus, something developing overnight. It was just an incredible, incredible thing. So that is why. But this is why I want to talk about it. The way that goes red is that it has to grow in the dark. If it's not grown in the dark, it will never go red. And if you have one and it starts to fade, leave it for 48 hours in a dark room and it will go red again. I know my stuff. (laughs) Me and Google, we're like that. (laughs) It grows in the dark. And when it's brought out into the light, you see its beauty. In the dark, you can't see its beauty, but in the dark, it's developing its beauty. But you bring it into the light, and you see its beauty. And even if it fades, you can go and mature it again and bring it out into the light. And I just thought to myself, there's a Christmas message in there somewhere. Do you see where I'm heading with this? So it's called Out of the Dark. It got me thinking, what is in you? What is your gift What is your idea? What is your dream? There is something in you that we haven't seen yet. And I believe it's maturing in the dark. But I want to stir you up that maybe this is the year you bring out that dream, that hope, that gift, that talent, that thing that's developing in you and bring it into the light. Because until you bring it into the light, no one's going to see the beauty of it. And there is something special in you that I hope this kind of talk and meeting will say, yes, come on. If I left that in the cupboard, it would still be going red. But you wouldn't see it. I wonder how many of us have got something developing in us and it's already gone red, but no one's yet seen it. Is this going to be your year to say, come on, when I look at the poinsettia this year, I'm going to look at that and say, this is my year. Maybe when you see that plant, and you're going to see lots of them now. Who knows when you're about to buy a car? Let's say you're about to buy a Vauxhall Golf, a Volkswagen Golf. You never see a Vauxhall Golf. <laughs> Let's say you're going to buy a Volkswagen Golf. You've not seen many of them. You think, I'm going to get a Golf. And then the next day, you see about 100 of them. They're everywhere. You're like, oh, it's such a common car. Well, I guarantee you now, you're going to see flipping hundreds of these things. (laughs) But here's what I want. Let me sow a seed in you. When you see the floor de Noche Buena, not only will you know what it's called in Mexican, but it might stir something in you. Because there is something going on in you that's in the dark. Every one of you, there is something going on in you. 
Some of you may have brought gifts out in the past, but there's still more because there's always more. And I want to encourage you that this is your year. But this is the thing. It takes bravery. It takes bravery to bring out that thing because when it's important to you, it matters to you. It's brave when you display that dream because it matters to you. If it doesn't matter to you and you bring it out and people poo-poo it, you don't give a stuff, do you? Because it didn't matter in the first place. But when it matters, it takes bravery to bring it out because then you're allowing people to critique you. And then it matters and it takes bravery. It takes bravery to start a new business. It takes bravery to change jobs to apply for a promotion. It takes bravery to share how you really feel with that special someone. It takes bravery to write a song. Who enjoyed that song we sang there, Do You See What I See? Yeah. Matt Beals wrote that. Yeah. How cool is that? That's my favourite Christmas song. And Matt wrote that. He could have kept that in the dark. His songwriting gift. He didn't want to sing it this year, but I forced him. <laughs> but it's good, isn't it? Round of applause for Matt. Come on, people. It takes bravery to play the music. It takes bravery to join a team. It takes bravery to serve in a new way. There is something in you, but it's going to take bravery to get that thing that's in the dark right now and bring it into the light. But when you bring it into the light, people will see its beauty. And we want this place, this church, and our world to be a more beautiful place. And it will be a more beautiful place when you start acting how God intended you to act, rather than keeping it in the dark, because what if people don't like it? Let's get brave. Let's be people who say, I'm going to be brave enough. I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring the beauty out of me and into the light. You know, I reflected on my own journey, and I guess arguably the bravest thing I've done is to start this church. I was going to say marry Sarah, but I thought better of it. (laughs) I'm just far enough away. No, of course not. All jokes aside, when I started this church, I hadn't any training. Nearly 12 years ago now. I hadn't any training, and God put this dream in my heart. And I know, have you ever had, you just know, you know, you know God said it. Sometimes you think, did God say that? I'm weighing it up. You need to speak to a few people. But I knew God said to me, start a church. And you've got it in you to do it. Now, I did chat to a few people and say, what do you think? And they encouraged me and said, yes, but it took bravery. That first meeting, I remember the first meeting. We've even got a video of it, which I'd love to show you sometime. Sarah's wearing the biggest belt you've ever seen. Proper, it's quality. I don't look any different. <laughs> but it took, it took bravery. I remember the message I gave about going up the mountain. I remember it because it took bravery. I was so chuffed that 100 people, I think it was about 90 something people, came out to our first ever meeting. I was like, yes! The second meeting, there was 23. <laughs> But it took bravery. Do you know what? I could at that point said, no, it's not going to work. But no, you keep going and you keep going. And what's blossoming is this amazing church which is making a difference in our town. Do you know what? I could have said, no, God, I'm keeping that in the dark. I know I, I, know I could do it, but I'm not going to do it because I'm scared. How many of you know, you know, you know, that thing that's in your heart, you know you could do it. But actually, you're not going to do it because you're a bit scared. Well, how about shake the frightenness off? There is no place for fear in love. And God loves you. So don't let fear be your excuse. Step out. We will cheer you on. Here's the thing I love. I love that I see Io and Becky married. They met in this church. If I hadn't been brave enough to start a church, they wouldn't be sat here in love right now. I love that there's people who've had babies 
because they met in this church. There's a generation rising up because I was brave enough and people supported me. I love there's people out there that are being fed today because of this church. There's people on the other side of the world that aren't in sex trafficking today because of this church. I could have kept that in the dark. But I was big enough, ugly enough and brave enough to say, let's have a go. And what's happening? This is developing. There are people sat in this room, even in this service, who something's going on in your heart. You're like, wow, there's more to life than what I've been experiencing. Why? Because someone was brave enough to say, Barry, I'm going to partner with you. I want to be part of your church. I'm going to fund the church. I'll pray for the church. I'll come and be part of the church. And what happens is life gets changed. It's beautiful. And God loves it. What in your life is going on that's in the dark? Because here's some truth for you. Too many people let years and years and years go by without really living. Getting by, enjoying, but not really living. And the reason you're not really living is because what's really important to you is still in the dark. But you need to be brave enough to get it out of there. Very few people ever regret trying and failing. But lots of people regret never trying. Let's not be people who at the end of it all, when we're... 150 years old look back and say I wish I'd tried how about this year 2017 you stop that ever being a possibility because this is the year you're going to try and maybe just maybe just maybe you'll succeed but if you don't you'll have tried and learnt something along the way so let me encourage you get it out the dark come on turn to someone else and say get it out the dark This is a concept that I believe we see through God's word and uh, from his own perspective. You see, we have the Old Testament, and for those of you, you know, in simplistic forms, the Old Testament is before Jesus and the New Testament is after Jesus. Let's not get too theological about it all, but that's the very simplest form. And the Old Testament is brilliant. It's it's written by men, but inspired by God. And it's a whole load of stories and poems and thought processes that God's breathed on and says, yes, you need to understand this stuff. But what it really is, is a shadow of what's about to come. The Old Testament is kind of God preparing man's heart in the dark for what he wants to bring out into the light, but we're not ready to handle it yet. You see, the original thing when when God called Abraham, he said, look up, because all Abraham knew was, I know there's a greater being than me that created all this stuff. I can't put a name on it, but I know he's up there. And then he went on a journey all the way through, and they they built a a, a tabernacle, and they worshipped, and he said, I'm going to be there. And then in the end, he brings Jesus, and he says, I'm going to dwell in a man. And then later, Jesus dies and rises again, and he sends his Holy Spirit, and he says, now I'm going to live in you. And we weren't ready for him living in us back then. So he had to take mankind on a journey, which was kind of a shadow of what was going to come. It's kind of in the dark. And yet it was Jesus that brought it to the light. Heading towards my Christmas theme. We have Moses, this incredible leader in his time, who, by the way, had a stammer. Who knows if God's choosing someone for a speaking part, he might choose someone who's probably the least gifted in speaking. He said, Moses, this is what I want you to do. Go to Pharaoh, by the way, the most powerful man on the planet at the time. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, let my people go. His job was to say something. Moses like, God, 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 God. I'm not very good at speaking. It might take me three years to say, but he chose Moses. You see, he said to me, Barry, 
I want you to start a church. And I could have said, I haven't been to Bible college. I've had no formal training. But he chose me. And I just said, okay, I'll have a go. Moses said, okay, but I need someone to stand with me. And God said, well, I'll give you Aaron. He'll be with you. Isn't it great? We've got a bunch of people standing with us. Don't worry if you don't feel qualified enough. God will qualify you. But somewhere, somewhere along the line, you've got to just say yes. God's looking for a bunch of people who say yes. And what Moses does is he does exactly that. He goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. I'm speaking on behalf of Almighty God. You've got to let them go. The, the Israelite people are in slavery. They're getting forced to do horrendous things. And in the end, he does let them go. And so Moses leads people who are bound and in slavery into a place of freedom. That's a shadow. That's something that God's trying to teach us, which isn't quite the full picture yet. It's kind of in the dark and it's developing. But it's a small picture about what's going to happen later in the light. And God is just saying, I'm preparing your hearts for something much, much bigger than that. But you're not ready to handle it. It's like a peak. It's a glimpse of what's the true reality. It's not quite there yet. Uh, I was, anyone here got a Mr. Frosty? <laughs> anyone? And do you know what a Mr. Frosty is, though, yeah? You put ice in it and you wind this thing up and in it it's got like a, almost like a, a grater. And as you wind it around, the ice gets grated down and it forms, falls into a little cup at the bottom. It's all like shaved ice and you put a flavour on it. The children love it. In fact, I love it. It's really nice. Anyone ever actually done a Mr Frosty? Is it just me? Uh -uh. Yes, yes, there's more people. Here's the thing about Mr. Frosty. It's a great concept. You put the, the ice in the top and you have to put some pressure on to force the ice down while turning this basically a, a circular cheese grater, basically. And you have to put the right amount of pressure on because if you push too hard, it doesn't turn. And if you don't push enough, you don't grate anything. You've just got, is an art to it. I have got a degree in Mr. Frosty. <laughs> and you push it down and you, you've been going for maybe... Five minutes, and who knows, doing that for five minutes while getting just the right amount of pressure is hard work. And you think, oh, when I've done it, you pull out the cup, and you have got about that much ice. <laughs> it's like, are you having a laugh? And so little Evie, she loves it. We bought her one last Christmas, worst idea ever. Daddy, can you do me Mr. Frosty? I'm like, yeah, i really love to. And you make a Mr. Frosty, and you've been doing it like for 20 minutes just to get half a cup full. And about three seconds later, she goes, can I have another one? <laughs> really? But the point I want to make is with Mr. Frosty comes those little uh, lollipop-shaped moulds. And you can make like a lollipop, and you stick a, 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 a stick in it. <laughs> I haven't had any formal training, all right. <laughs> You put a stick in it, and, uh, and you put it in the freezer, and when it comes out, you break the mould off, and you've got a lollipop. Great. Simple, yeah? Who knows children are impatient? <laughs> and so you've had the lollipop, said lollipop, which takes about eight hours to set. It's been about four hours, and they cannot wait any longer. So you go to the freezer and wiggle it about a bit, and it's just starting to settle. It's just starting to get firm. And Evie's like, yes! Sarah's like, come on! <laughs> But you take the mould off, and there's little bits of it stuck together, but it kind of crumbles and turns into a big slushy mess. Do you know why? Because it wasn't ready to be seen yet. And it's too early. Anyone ever had a grass burn? Where you slid on your knees or on your thighs, and it kind of just weeps. You know that? 
I used to play football and um, wasn't much of a tackler. And so when I tackled, I basically slid in, missed everyone, the ball and everything, but slid straight past everyone. And um, to this day, I've still got great big marks here where my skin was just taken off. And it's not taken so far deep that you've got no skin, but just enough skin so the blood starts oozing through. Gross message, isn't it? And you go to bed and you lay there and you have a nice cosy sleep and you get up and you go out of bed and all the covers come with you because they've stuck to it. It's lush. And then you've got that horrible moment where you've got to peel it off. Do you do it slowly or do you give it the yank? You know? Why? Because it's not ready to be touched yet. It's not healed up. But you want to have a little look under the plaster just to see if it's there. And as you do that, you peel it off again. It's horrible and it takes ages. And I think some some of mine took months to heal up because I kept having a look too early. That's what's going on here. God says, there's something I'm going to show you. I'm going to bring something out into the light and it's going to bless you so much. But you're not ready to see it yet. So I'm going to give you a glimpse. It's like peeling a bit of the plaster back. It's like looking at the lollipop in Mr. Frost. It's not quite there yet, but you can see it developing. Here we have Moses saying, let my people go. And he lets them go, and they get freed from slavery. And it was epic. Imagine being in that moment, but it's not there yet. You see, we have this thing we call the law in the Old Testament. And people who don't fully grasp it feel like God's about a bunch of rules, but it's not that. It was a shadow. The law was actually a marriage proposal. There's over 600, I believe it's 613 rules. But those of you who come from a possibly a non-English culture might understand that when two families come together and they agree for a marriage, they will write out an agreement. Your son will do this and my daughter will do this. And they write it down and it becomes a marriage proposal. That's the agreement. Anyone know, you know, maybe in your history you've got that kind of thing. Well, that would be Jewish history. And so they understood what was happening here. And God said, I will be your God. You will be my people. And these are the conditions. It was a marriage proposal. It was never a rules. It was like, this is how I need you to behave if you want to be with me. And he wrote them down. There was lots of them. Every single one of them good. Every single one of them for benefit of life. God is the author of life. He knew what was best. And so he wrote these things down to say, this is how it's going to work between us. Who knows that the people couldn't match it. Failed every single day. And God continued to love. And we had this thing, but it was just a shadow of what was really going on because God ultimately wanted relationship with people. In the Old Testament, we get promise. Great prophetic people. Here, I'll read you one, Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. It says this. For, unto, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, this is written 700 years before Jesus shows up. So they knew something was going on. There was something developing in the shadows that hadn't been come to the light yet. And when Jesus was born, this materialized. There's a child you're going to get, and he's going to be the Prince of Peace. He's going to be the one who counsels you to a better life. But they hadn't seen it yet. Who knows that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies about his own life. And that is impossible. And that, for me, is one of the most faith-affirming things. People can debate Jesus, God, and everything, but not just the Bible, but history says these things were said of Jesus, and he fulfilled them all. He's the only man in the planet and the history of the earth ever to do that, ever. It's what separates our faith to any other faith, that there's prophecy, and it happened, and it's true. Jesus was supernatural and epic. So in the Old Testament, we have this shadow. 
We have Moses, we have the law, we have the promise of Jesus, but it's not yet seen. And then comes the day when Jesus rocks up, which is what we're celebrating today. Boom, God brings it into the light. It's the fullness of his love and grace put on display for us. It's the compassion he has. And do you know what? It was brave of God to do that because it means something to him. Every single person on the planet is special to God. In Psalm 139 where it says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. When you were in the womb, I was forming you. If there's any pregnant people in the room right now, just know this. Almighty God says his hands on that. There's a special person being developed in you, and that person matters to God. His hands there. That was true of you. And that was true of the people who are walking out there right now, and it's the true of everyone around the world. God loves He's special. And he says, for us to be in relationship, you haven't been able to fulfill the rules of our relationship, so I'm going to send Jesus. And he comes in and says, this is the fullness. This is what you've been waiting for. I'm bringing the beauty into the light. But you don't have to accept him. I'm never going to force it on you. I'm going to display my love and kindness and let you decide. And who knows that more people say no than say yes right now today. And yet God says, you are so amazingly special. I'll never force it on you, but I'm putting before you life and hope and fullness and heaven and eternity and goodness and ability and all these things I put in you. I want to draw it out of you, but I'm not going to force you. That was brave of God to say, I'm putting it out there. This matters to me. You matter to me. And I'm putting it out there to you. And it's not until 30 years later that we see Jesus start declaring what he's really about. And we find it in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Doesn't that sound a little bit like what Moses was doing? I've come to say, let my people go. Set them free from the slavery. Jesus says, I've come to set the prisoners free. The same thing, but more than that. I've come to proclaim favor on you. Who knows? A life with God's favor on it is epic. And Jesus says, when you engage with me, and I'm never going to force it, but if you will engage with me, your life will be epic. Because I'm going to proclaim flavor, flavor over you. Recovery of sight to the blind. You see, Moses set people free from physical bondage. But Jesus does that. And I believe he sets people free from sickness and for all kinds of health issues. I've seen it, prayed for it, experienced it myself. But he also sets people free from emotional stuff, from spiritual stuff. He brings the whole package. What was once a shadow of something developing in the dark is now in the light, in its fullness. God wants you whole. He wants you laughing, happy, and healthy. And in Jesus, you will find those things because he says so. God is so for you. And yet, he's been brave enough to say, I'm putting it out there. You decide. Matthew 5, 17 says this. Jesus speaking, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Here it is. We had in the Old Testament this agreement that for you to be my people and me to be your God, there's all these rules that you have to stick to and it will be good for us. You couldn't do those things, but God is saying, I love you so much. I'm going to send my son and he is going to fulfill them. And then you're going to do a swap. His obedience for our disobedience. His wholeness for our lack. And so God is saying to us, that was a shadow. You weren't ready to understand this yet, but in sending Jesus, I'm bringing the beauty of it all into the light that I just want a relationship with you. 
And it's not about rules anymore. It's about accepting the love of God through Jesus. And it's about grace. You don't deserve it, but I want to give it to you anyway. It was a shadow. I love this. Ephesians 2, 4, 4 through 7 says this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we're dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is by grace you are saved, and grace is undeserved favor. It's you getting what you don't deserve. And so we had this situation where the, the Jewish people who God said, you're going to be my people, they couldn't fulfill it. And so therefore there was this blockage and they had to do all these sacrifices to get themselves right with God. And God says, enough of that, that was a shadow. Here's the reality. I'll do it for you. And as you accept Jesus, he's fulfilled all those rules so that you can have freedom and enjoy your life. And it's not because you deserve it, because you don't. Because who of us lives the perfect life here? I've a mum. Who lives the perfect? None of us. So we don't deserve it. But because of his grace, he gives us what we don't deserve. Freedom. More than that, he raises us up and seats us with Christ. So look at it this way. Depression. Awful thing in our society today. We are raised above depression, seated above it with him so it is beneath our feet. Lack. We are raised with Christ, seated above it. It's beneath us and under our feet. Whatever name might come at you, when you accept Jesus, your position in life is above it. And when you start living like that, you can experience the fullness and freedom that God always wanted for you, but we couldn't experience it before. But now because of Jesus, we can have it. And all we have to do to have it is say, thank you, Jesus. I want to engage in a journey with you. And as you do that, life changes. It's epic. When you live in that place, sickness can't have you. Anger can't have you. Frustration can't have you. Hurt can't have you. Because Jesus says, no, no, you're going to sit with me. Who knows those things don't affect Jesus? So if we're sitting with Jesus, they don't affect us either. And actually, it's about a mind shift. If you want it to affect you, it'll affect you. But if you say, no, 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 my mindset is on Christ. It's not affecting him, so it's not going to affect me. And it's not that you lose touch with your emotions. It's just you know your position. And when you live in that place, you get freedom. I love this. And please get this. It means that you can forgive people. Yeah. At Christmas time, all the family politics comes up. All the emotions of the year come up. The way you might feel about your boss or your friend or a family member comes up. And if you don't forgive them, do you know the person it affects most? It's you. Because what happens in your heart is you get bitter. I can't believe they're succeeding. I should have had that promotion. Oh, it's a disgrace. Oh, I can't believe my sister got invited around for dinner today and we didn't even get invited this year. It's awful. And you're making a judgment on it and you're allowing the situation to get into here and it gets to here. And what happens is you don't solve the problem. You just become bitter about it. And people live life full of bitterness and it's a downward spiral, which is painful. But in Christ... You understand this concept of grace. You have been forgiven even when you didn't deserve it. So you can forgive them even when they don't deserve it. And that's a tough principle. Because who really, really, really enjoys forgiving people when they don't enjoy, deserve it? That's my favourite thing. Oh, they're so lovely. So kind to me. They speak of me well. Bless them, Lord. It's my favourite thing. Bless them. 
But that's the life I'm called to. Because when I can do that, I position myself for Christ. And then the bitterness can't have me. And when bitterness can't have me, do you know what can have me? Joy. And I can live this life of joy. Why? Because what came into light, which was a shadow before, and I didn't quite get it, but now I see it in the light, that God has always wanted this relationship with me. I could never match what was required, but Jesus did match what it was required. And he said to me, Barry, I'm going to give it to you. Just engage with me. And I say, thank you, Jesus. From this moment on, I'm going to walk hand in hand with you. I won't get it right every time, but I'm going to do my best to get it right every time. And as I walk that journey, his grace continues to cover me. When I get it wrong, do you know what happens? Grace. When I get it right, do you know what happens? Grace. And when I make more and more good decisions, what am I doing? Positioning myself in my rightful place, seated with Christ above it all. Not that I'm superior to anyone or anything. I'm just agreeing with who Jesus says I am. And so therefore, I can live this full life that God always intended to me to have. And I just think, it's epic. Turn to the person next to you and say, come on, let's live that life. That life is beautiful. That life is what someone looks at and goes, wow. You can know about that life, and it will be in the dark. But when you live that life, you put it on display, and it's beautiful. Who knows that all your friends and family will look at you and see how you handle that situation where you've been hurt. And when you handle it in the right way, they'll say, wow, that was amazing. When you handle it in the wrong way, it doesn't mean you're a worse person. It doesn't mean God loves you any less, but it's not beautiful. It's still something in the dark. And so we're called to experience this amazing, amazing thing with Jesus. It takes boldness and courage to live that life. But I believe God showed boldness and courage in giving Jesus. Get that dream that's in you out there get that gift that's in you out there ask the questions you've been dying to ask ask them get them out there let this christmas be the time when you look at the poinsettia and you're going to see so many of them now i promise you and think yes that gift that's in me is coming out yes i understand what jesus did for me he positioned me to live above all this rubbish that's going on in my life and i'm going to agree with that and live like that and watch my circumstances shift because of it It's causing what was in the dark to come out into the light, and it's beautiful. You see, at Christmas we celebrate a baby in a manger. But the reality is it's an epic moment between heaven and earth when God put on display his grace and love and compassion for you and says, yes, we can have Father Christmas, but the reason we have Father Christmas is because he's giving a gift, and it reflects God who's giving a gift. And I know some churches don't agree with it and the rest of it. And, and, you know, you can get religious about it. But you know what? I want to have some fun. And if that causes people to look at the church and think, oh, that was really good. Let's embrace it. Because God can redeem it and have grace all over it. You know, Father Christmas is not superior to Jesus. He's going to turn up in a minute and we're going to go, good old Santa. Santa is not Satan in reverse. He's just not. That's just just stupid. He's just some friendly old fat man who wants to give a gift. And actually, if that helps us, <laughs> this wasn't in my message. I've gone off, gone off on a tangent now. But the reality is in church, we can say no to that. But who are we saying no to? It's okay, we can agree with that and say, yeah, it's probably a bit iffy. But what we're saying to the people who aren't in the church is, oh, religious, boring, out of touch, It pushes them away. 
when in actual fact, for whatever the purpose is, if people come into here and go, they've really embraced it, or it was amazing. And you know what? When I came out and I saw a poinsettia, it made me think, maybe actually all this kind of stuff can point to Jesus as well. Maybe God can redeem it all. Because Jesus ultimately is what Christmas is about. Amen. And so when we see the manger, we can say, there, God has put on display what used to be in the dark. God has put on display his love and grace for me. He gave me a gift. And so when I give a gift at Christmas, I'm going to remember that. Amen. That's what it's about. Yeah, it and I love this idea of family. And someone put on Facebook something. It's not about the gifts that are around the tree. It's about the people who are giving them around the tree. Don't we need to be together? Don't we need to express family? Because God did this for relationship. He himself is three in one, and so he's demonstrating how to be a family in his Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so then he says, do a church and be a family. And he says, reach out to the unchurched and be a family. It's all about relationship. But the best way to do life is with Jesus in the middle of it. I wonder if you stand with me. I'd love to pray. Let me just invite you just to close your eyes and give everyone around you just a personal moment for a second. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for all the gifts that are in this room. Many, many gifts, ideas and dreams that are currently in the dark. Currently just an idea rattling around someone's head. Well, Lord God, I want to speak life to them. People, let them out. Live the dream. Ask the question. Let that beauty that's on the inside of you come out into the light and let people enjoy it. Be brave. Have a go. You won't regret it. Lord, give us the ability to forgive those people around us who have been unkind and hurtful and not to hold them there, which is actually holding us there but to live lives that say we forgive you genuinely. Lord, this Christmas, I pray, Father, that we would always remember that it's actually about you. Putting on display your love, your grace, your goodness in Jesus. Not a bunch of rules that bind us up in life, but a relationship that brings absolute freedom, draws the best out of us and brings hope to us. Lord, help us never to be religious, but to be full of life, keeping you central to it all. Just with every eye closed, I wonder if there's anyone in the room today who says, I've been here and I want to get right with Jesus. I need him in my life and today's the day I want to just make sure that is right. Maybe you've been right with him in the past and it slipped away. Maybe you've never been right with him. But you've just suddenly realized that actually this is about Almighty God pulling out the best in me, giving me a hope and a future. And it'll be the most amazing thing I've ever done to engage with him. Just so with every eye closed, if you say yes, today's the day I want to be right with Jesus. Just give me a wave. I'm going to pray with you. Bless you there. Bless you there. Bless you there. Bless you at the back there. So, so good. Don't miss your opportunity, guys. Leave this place right with Jesus. Bless you, bless you, bless you. So, so good. Awesome, you can put your hands down, Father. Father, we'll pray together in a moment. But Lord, I just want to pray for all of those guys who just responded that Lord, you'd become very, very real to them. 
that you're not a distant God. You're not an angry God. You're the God of love. You're the God of peace. You're the God of hope. And that as they fix their eyes on you again, that their lives will just take off. That they'd be happier than they've ever been. They'd be free. They'd live in the light you called them to. Let's pray a prayer together, guys. I'll say a line and you say it with me. Father God, thank you for loving me. I give myself to you. Come and live in my heart. Jesus, be my number one. And lead me forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Should we give Father a round of applause?